Welcome to ADHD Love Parent Talk, episode 70. Then you have dysgraphia, so that's writing difficulties. That's something that I have as well. Um, still, even to this day, I flip certain letters when I write longhand. So I like I flip my J's, I flip my G's. Sometimes I have to really think about what direction the loops go, especially in G's. I don't mess up Q's though for some reason. <laughs> and also, just it's very in- labor intensive doing pen to paper for some people who do have dysgraphia. So typing speech to text can be something that can help with that. And some people also just have fine motor difficulties with dysgraphia okay. myself and my my kids we, that's not our dysgraphia that we have so sometimes going to occupational therapy can help with those fine motor difficulties and when you talk about have. fine motor difficulties is that actually getting into the typing the act of writing or i mean what does that mean it could be both so fine motors like your digits think of like your 10 digits on your finger so that kind of movement so okay. your pencil grasp pencil grasp pencil grasp um uh-huh. It could be the typing, you know, you could have fatigue with stuff like that. Hello, and welcome to the ADHD Love Parent Talk podcast. If you felt like you have been walking your path alone as an adult with ADHD or as a parent with children with ADHD, you are finally home. I interview parents and professionals, including doctors, coaches, educators, and so much more so you can not only learn more information about ADHD, I also want you to have tools that you can put in your toolbox as you're going through your journey. Hey, my ADHD family, welcome to another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. So today I really wanted to get into, I call, call, well, I did call them the four Ds, but Patty corrected me and said there's actually five Ds. One of the things that come up are comorbidities, especially around ADHD. And the group that tends to come up quite a bit is dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, dysnomia, and dyspraxia. And actually, I just learned about dysnomia today. And what I wanted her to do is just kind of talk through, I mean, what is that, right? What are each one of these diagnoses? And when you have ADHD, how can you work with that? Like, how can you manage having multiple comorbid or having comorbidities, basically. So I'm very excited to have Patty. Um, But before we get started, please make sure that you subscribe to this channel. And as you're listening to this topic, if you had any experiences with this, definitely put some comments in the below. I definitely want to hear from you. So Patty, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. I am so excited for you to be here. So tell the audience a little bit about you. My name is Patty Dedur, and I am an advocate and a new author as well. And just I have a social media platform where I talk a lot about different neurodivergencies and provide accommodations and things like that as well. That is so exciting. So you are diagnosed with ADHD? Yes. Okay. And tell the audience, so about when were you diagnosed and what type? I was diagnosed about 20 years ago. So it was a very much like a, a Dollar Tree version to compare it to what it is nowadays that yeah. people go through. Mm-hmm. At that time, it was inattentive back then, but now I definitely feel like it could be combined, combined as well. But, you know, this was 20 years ago. I haven't had a newly Val or anything done. So <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. So I really want to get into this topic about the corvidity. So can you talk about each one of those D's <laughs> to make sure I don't pronounce it wrong again? But can you talk <laughs> about it and really get into the details? Because like I said, this comes up quite a bit. But like me, I didn't even know what these meant. So can you explain each one of them? 
Sure. So most people know of dyslexia. I think it's almost become like a, a household term nowadays. Understand it, maybe not so much, but the term itself, perhaps. And it's not like a visual problem. So a lot of people say, oh, I fixed it going to some type of visual uh, therapy. That's not going to solve. There's other things that could solve, but not dyslexia. Dyslexia is more about your hearing, your phonics, things like that, your auditory. And so it's things like, let's say a child in perhaps kindergarten, they're reading a sentence or a book and you notice they're skipping some of the words in the sentence that right there could be a red flag. Having difficulties with rhyming could be a red flag as well, especially in those early grades. Mm -hmm. And then you have dysgraphia. So that's writing difficulties. That's something that I have as well. Um, still, even to this day, I flip certain letters when I write longhand. So I like I flip my J's, I flip my G's. Sometimes I have to really think about what direction the loops go, especially in G's. I don't mess up Q's though, for some reason. <laughs> and also just it's very in labor intensive doing pen to paper for some people who do have dysgraphia. So typing speech to text can be something that can help with that. And some people also just have fine motor difficulties with dysgraphia okay. myself and my, my kids, we, that's not our dysgraphia that we have. So sometimes going to occupational therapy can help with those fine motor difficulties. And when you talk about have. fine motor difficulties, is that actually getting into the typing, the act of writing, or, I mean, what does that mean? It could be both. So fine motors, like your digits, think of like your 10 digits on your fingers. So that kind of movement. So okay. your pencil grasp, pencil grasp, pencil grasp, um, uh -huh. It could be the typing, okay. you know, you could have fatigue with stuff like that. Okay. And then you have dyspraxia. So that's your motor skills. So that's things um, you may notice someone if they kind of like a slouched kind of um, posture, or maybe they like lean forward or their gait, you know, they're walking, maybe kind of an inconsistent gait pattern that they have. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that had to do with core strength. So I'm a physical therapist assistant. So a lot of times core strength is so important. So that's something that, um, you know, people come in, they may have back problems. It really could be core strength that's going on. Okay. So, you know, you kind of look at the whole picture to see what's happening. And a lot of that also with dyspraxia and with all of the D's can just be breaking steps down. So there's way more into throwing a baseball than just throwing the baseball. There's so many more steps into that. And so just breaking them down and what all happens can be something that's really advantageous with someone who does have any of these Ds. Then you have dysnomia. So that's word retrieval struggles. And that's not just, you know, you forget a word here or there that affects your daily life or your schooling or work or whatever. And so let's say you tell your child, can you put away the dishes in the washer or the dishwasher and then they go to the wash machine instead of the dishwasher or they tell you can you get me a fork but they meant to say spoon or they can't think of what the word is and they you know can you get me can you get me um um um, um. and so with that one we we worked on a lot of games that involved word retrieval so things like i spy helps with, you know, getting into word retrieval, 20 questions, the game that can help with word retrieval, doing um, picture, mm -hmm. like reference mm -hmm. sheets as well at school can help with that. And sentence starters um, for both dysnomia and dysgraphia can be very important when doing writing because you have that difficulty. So sometimes having 
sentence starters or fill in the blank sentence when you're doing some type of writing project can be very helpful. And then dyscalculia, so that's math difficulty. So screwing up addition and subtraction, forgetting some of the basics of math. So again, using a reference sheet and having that readily available for, for math can help. And having a calculator as an accommodation is very important for dyscalculia as well. Okay. And how does a person know when it is truly an issue that they need to get any of these checked out? Like, I think of, as you were talking, I just think about some of the things that um, word retrieval is one of the things that I have trouble with, but it's not an all the time thing. Right. And so how do you know, or how should a person know when it's time to get their child checked out? If any of these things are affecting your daily life, so it's something that affects like any type of school subject, if it affects, if it affects your home life, your work life, if it's a daily struggle, then that is when you would look. If it's just something that maybe every once in a while you forget a word, or maybe sometimes you have difficulty writing, if it's an, a daily thing, then yes, that's when you need to look at maybe perhaps get a neuropsyche valve to see what's all going on. Okay. And you don't have to explain all of them, but you know, you mentioned the neuropsyche valve. So what does that look like? I mean, you can pick a couple and, you know, <laughs> the audience can look up the rest, but just what does that look like? Like, what do children go through to even take an evaluation to figure out what's going on with them? It's quite the assessment. Um, I imagine your child may have went through it as well. It's hours. I mean, sometimes it could be, depending on what all is being evaluated, mm-hmm. it could be perhaps four to eight hours in one day. It could even be over a two-day period, depending on the age of the kid too, because doing all that in one day, depending on the age of the child, could be quite a bit. And, you know, they take breaks and they do different tests that they can reference back to to see how the child scores and stuff. And there's, so it's good to do a neuropsych versus some other places that you can get different evals for this because the neuropsych will look at the full picture and look at everything that may be happening from perhaps autism to ADHD to dyslexia. It can look at the full picture versus if you, you can go to a speech therapist sometimes to get these evals as well, but they're, they only are able to diagnose certain things where a neuropsych can, can eval for a plenitude of different things. I didn't know that a neuropsych covered multiple areas versus, so there are assessments that specifically cover ADHD and specifically cover dyslexia, I'm assuming, but in neuropsych, you can do different, you can cover an umbrella of things. Is that what I understand? Yeah, because they're medically able to diagnose different things where, you know, I'm I'm a physical therapist assistant. So even like a physical therapist in some states can't diagnose at all. Gotcha. Um, Some occupational therapists can diagnose, but they can't diagnose for everything. Mm -hmm. So it depends on your medical license, what you can and can't diagnose for and what tests that they can provide as well. So neuropsych is more expensive, more time consuming, but it can look at a multitude of things that's going on. Oh, okay. All right. Very cool. So now when somebody who has ADHD also has one of these, what are just some just high level ways to manage both, right? So you gave a couple examples on how to manage, you know, a couple of them, but like overall, when you have ADHD and dyslexia or dyspraxia, how do you manage both? Yeah. So one of the most important accommodations or things that you can do, and this is hard, especially if you have ADHD, is looking at 
doing more organization type things. Mm. So that's where if you're a child in school, a teacher can help with some type of organization binder or perhaps maybe having your desk organized better so you can kind of get what needs to be done quicker, like your reference seat for math or whatever you need to grab quicker. And as well as just breaking down those tasks, that's so important too. So if you're just giving something and it's like, go do this, write this paragraph about this article you just read. Well, if you break down the task, it's going to be beneficial to anyone that may be neurodivergent to help break. And then really a lot of people to break down those tasks Mm. and make it a little step-by-step easier so they can maybe have even a checklist and they can check things off as they go along. Okay. All right. And then for the one with the, the motor skills, what are some things that they can do again between the ADHD? Because one of the things I remember my son getting test test or when he took his assessment, motor skills was one of those areas that they just wanted to make sure was okay. Right. So it is tested under ADHD, but if they truly do have an issue where they're having motor difficulties, motor skill difficulties, what are some of the things that they can do there to help balance both? Yeah. So if you're looking at just, let's say things in your home, perhaps you can do just things as simple as riding a bike, which can be difficult for someone who does have dyspraxia. So it may take a lot of practice doing, having things like maybe having them put together some type of obstacle course, either indoor or outdoors can be very beneficial and work on that vestibular rehab as well. So your vestibular system, which helps with your balance and also just wobble boards are very fun and can be beneficial as well to work in that. So anything really that works on balance, your vestibular system can be very beneficial. Okay. That's good. That's really good. So is there any type of resources out there that people can look at anything that you've used in your journey with your children? I mean, is there anything that where people can go to get more information about these different ones? Yeah. So for all these D's, my favorite organization is called the Coding Dyslexia. And every state has one. They're all nonprofits. They're grassroots. And they're, a lot of them are started by parents. And they work with, some of them will go down to the legislator office and try to have different bills passed. They'll work with school districts to maybe help put together some type of dyslexia task force. Mm. Also in Canada has a lot of decoding dyslexia. I don't believe the same organizations are in other countries okay. as of now, but perhaps people that are in other countries in Australia or something could chime in with what is found in those countries to help people be aware of what's over there. But decoding dyslexia, most of them have a Facebook page. A few have Instagram they all would have websites. So I would reach out to them because they also have a list of evaluators as well that they trust as well as um, advocates that people may want to use as well. Okay, perfect. Is there anything that we missed that you want to mention to the audience about any of these Ds or ADHD or the combined? I would say start looking maybe in preschool or kindergarten about any of these that your child may be having difficulty with. And then just see like how they are versus peers, talk to the teacher, kind of get an idea of what's happening. And then look at perhaps getting the evaluation for with the neuropsych to see what all is happening. And maybe it's nothing, maybe it is something that's good to always know, I feel. And it helps to get an IEP as well if you have a diagnosis, because you can't get an IEP without that diagnosis to get, yeah. The, um, yeah. to get the different interventions that may be needed. Yeah. I mean, the IEP for us made a huge difference for my son. 
his was not within the four D's. His was more, well, that's too funny. I was about to, or, well, I, five D's. Um, but I was about to say discipline, which is a D. <laughs> okay. It's not within the DYS. <laughs> yes. But IEPs have made a difference. So the only thing I can add on to that is if it's not easy to get an IEP, don't give up because it really makes a difference when there are things put in place for your children, you know, just advocate and advocate and don't give up on getting an IEP. Um, if you really feel strongly, that is something that your child needs because it's made a huge difference in my child's life. Now, my daughter, she didn't need one. So we just have certain things put in place, but his needed to be more detailed and he needed a assistant, you know, on a daily basis for a very long time. So he really needed that deep attention. And like I said, the IEP made a huge difference. Yeah. And, and a lot of schools as well, there's two different program methodologies that schools would use for instruction for reading. And one is balanced literacy and one is systemic. And systemic is always better for individuals who do have dyslexia. So it's very important to make sure if they get IEP that they have that systemic-based program like Wilson, um, there's so many different ones out there, Barton, there's a lot of different ones out there, but make sure that they're getting the appropriate intervention when they are. Okay. You said there's systemic base and what was the other? Balanced literacy. So balanced literacy is like words their way. So it's a lot of root memorization and guessing words by context of what the picture may be in the picture book. So it's not great for um, kids that may be dyslexic. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So before we go, I want you to talk a little bit more about your book because I'm very excited <laughs> for you. Um, you know, it's, you. Just, it's just really cool to be an author because people don't realize how much work that can be, you know, as we were talking about before this. Um, so yeah. So tell them about your book and where they can find it. Sure. So here is the book. It's called This Kid Can Hyperfocus. And it has, the kid is a goat. So it's referenced to him and his name is kid. And it's about his mission of bringing some smiles and laughter back to the farm through his hyper-focused mission of doing this. And part of the proceeds does go to the Iowa Farm Sanctuary here in Iowa as well, because a lot of the animals in the book are real life hobby farm animals here in the state of Iowa as well. So it's I took pictures, sent them to the illustrator and the illustrator was able to make the animals into you know, illustrations in this picture book. And yes. so it's on, it's on Amazon as well as my website, Sensing Greatness. So. Okay. All right. And that was my next question is how can they get a hold of you where, so you just mentioned your website. Are there any other places that they can get a hold of you or reach out to you if they have any questions? Yeah. So my website, sensinggreatness.com. I'm most active on Instagram, but I also am on Facebook and a little bit of TikTok and Pinterest as well. Okay. All sensing greatness. Yes. Yep. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. So Patty, thank you. That was really, really good. So I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Absolutely. So we're going to close it out for the audience today. My purpose was to give you an overall view of these different diagnoses. Um, eventually I'm going to be breaking them down. I already talked to someone about dyslexia and you can check that out, but Really, because like I said, it comes up a lot and a lot of people like me did not know what it meant and how you go about getting help. My plan is to break these down a little bit deeper 
because dyslexia alone, we were able to talk over <laughs> an hour. I actually had to cut the video down because there's just so much information about it that I didn't know. So anyways, thank you again for listening. And Patty, thank you for coming. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for joining us on another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, please do not forget to leave a review and join me as I talk with another exciting guest next week. Have a wonderful day.